Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Brian Hooper, when was the last time you hand built a lineup? <laughs> uh, I think it was uh, during the Reagan administration. Okay. Now, um, I, I, I honestly, I don't know. So even because you're so for people who don't know, my guest Brian Hooper, aka Brick Seventy Five, I do do a show with him every Wednesday night on his channel. It's called Lulls. You know, we'll we'll talk DFS strategy in there. Although it's kind of become a gossip rag for DFS at this point, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, it definitely has. You know, I, and I, come to think of it, though, I probably have like DGen built like a lineup at a bar or something with my brother. You know, like when I was just out randomly. That's probably it. Uh, otherwise, I I use an optimizer. Yeah, so for people who aren't familiar with you, you've noticed Brick at the uh, the top of the standings. If you're uh, familiar with the Roto Grinders rankings, he's in the top ten. Has been living up there for years. Tell people just your general process, because as I think you've learned over the past few months, what you're doing is unique relative to the field of DFS players. Yeah, I I, I guess. I mean, I don't I don't know if that's completely decisive yet, but I think you're 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 more right than I am. Um, but yeah, I build um, I model out my own uh, player projections and ownership, and then even and then you go on top of that and try to use game theory to uh, to enter you know a plus EV one fifty. I do use like Vegas, Vegas numbers and stuff like that. So I'm not like going from bottom up, uh, like like the sports betters do. So like that's makes it a lot easier in my opinion. Um, but I guess yeah, I guess a lot of people aren't doing that. You know, in in the defense of the aggregators, like I like I've said this before on our show, I aggregate NBA minutes projections and then I might tweak them. You know. Uh, a little bit um and you know i'll aggregate aggregate some other other things and i definitely subscribe to you know almost all the sites and and compare my numbers to theirs each week and make sure i'm not too far off for sure uh people in the chat are telling me my my video quality and i see it on the youtube stream is like very poor which i mean i'm sitting here looking at it in uh in Streamyard, and it seems fine so i have no idea what's going on with my quality i'll try to tweak that as we go along but for now you just get brian in beautiful hd yeah. Uh, and that's that's all that matters here. You so, are messed up in StreamYard on my side too, just for I am. Yeah, that's so weird. I have no idea what's it's going not that on. Bad. There. It just looks like it's you know like the 1995 camcorder or something. Let me let me drop myself off the call real quick and. Okay, I'm the host. <laughs> no, just for oh, like okay. I let you host for a millisecond. Does it look any better now? Yeah, 
You're good. Okay, we fixed it. We did the old Nintendo controller, blow on it, turn it on and off. Um, okay, so and, and talk a little bit about, so what I thought might be a fun premise is thinking it through the lens of, I, I assume most people watching this show are uh, either hand builders or people using other projections in optimizers. But for this show, since we focus on single entry, three max, hand build nation, I wanted to get inside the mind of Brian Hooper as a hypothetical. You wake up on a Sunday morning, all of your own databases, projections are all gone. And you have to go use other people's projections and build a lineup from your gut you know, with just the tools at your devices that aren't your own, where do you start? Where, where do you even go with that? I would probably, okay. I would probably take the optimal from each site I subscribe to and then look at them and see which ones they, they spit out. Um, and then I would probably just do one lineup. I wouldn't do, I would like get rid of all my one fifties Unless that's part of this game where I have to keep them, then I then I might try to do something different. But then I would just do like one, or I guess at, at the three max, I might do three. And uh, from there, it would be like the size of the GPP. Yeah. And the bigger the GPP, the more correlated I'd get and the further away from that that optimal. Um, yeah. And maybe and maybe like a little a little more contrarian too. It depends. It depends. Yeah, because I think that's been a thing that I've noticed looking at these single entry tournaments and three max across the higher stakes, let's say from like the spy going on up, is that there's almost like these three different styles of play. Like you'll see in the really nosebleed stakes, like near just optimal cash game lineups. Then you'll see the ones that are like 1v1, 2v2 pivots on the optimal. Both of those two categories crushed last week. And then you have the third, which is more like the game stack, the heavy correlations, which didn't hit last week with all the individual plays going off. Where in that spectrum do you think you would land uh, if you were hand building these lineups? I would cater to each one, basically on the lines that you just described. So like the higher stakes ones, I would say their floor is higher for sure. If you look at, you know, if you look at an individual week, one week, it might be lower than the milli or something, but most weeks on average, the floor is going to be higher to, to, to cash in those, but the ceiling is going to be lower. And that's just a function of there's just not as many entries in there. The more entries you have, the higher the ceiling's got to be. Yeah. If you just go back and look through the, the, the database on RG and you could, and you could, you could see this for yourself. So I would like purposely try to get more uh, correlated contrarian in when there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of players compared to like 2000 or whatever, like the spy this week where I don't think you need to be. And I also think there's also like the, the higher stakes has better players. So they're going to just have better plays. So the floor is going to be higher and harder all around in those games. It's not just that these guys are just playing the straight optimal. There's yeah. a little more to it than that. And the thing that, uh, the reason when I look at those those optimals and the 2v2s even off of them, that's hard for me to wrap my head around is like you said, it raises your floor. But in these, even in the spy, you're still trying to get access to the top, top five spots for the majority of the prize pool. And when I look at those lineups, when you're matching the field with five to six plays, I just don't see realistic paths most weeks to cracking that top five with that kind of a build. Yeah, I mean, you're right, though. I mean, you it's we've talked about this before but like it's getting more and more top heavy in a lot of of all these gpps even the single entries so i looked at the spy for this the, the show before 
when we went live, and that's 100K to first, 40K to second. Isn't it normally like 100K, 50K? And sometimes we've even used to have in the past like 100K, 75K to second. Yeah, this week they're doing something a little weird because they have the double spy this week, and I know they have the mega millionaire, and they, they just have a different theme uh, to the week. But yeah, this one is interesting because it I believe the spy is generally uh, 50,000 to first. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but yeah, they doubled the entry fee, but it's the size of generally the smaller spy because they normally run the 5555 and now they got the 2222, which is normally the baby spy, but this is now the big spy. I Baby spy, big spy, double spy, I, I don't know. Um, but you told me you have been deep in the sim lab running sims on this specific contest for us this week. Yeah, I did it. I didn't have a ton of time this morning, so it's 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 pretty good. But like, uh, so I tried to like simulate. Um, it would take too long to do twenty two hundred lineups, so I did fifteen, uh, uh, fifteen hundred lineups of you know reasonable lineups that you'd expect to see and the exposures you'd expect to see in this in this GPP. And then I ran it back um, as uh, in cash game form. So it's the same lineups, one in the spy and one in the cash game. Does that make sense to explain that right? Yes. And I think we should just maybe just for people who aren't familiar with the concept of simming, maybe give just like the the simming for dummies uh, explanation. Yeah, you're just trying to recreate um, what you think is going to occur in the game and then uh, sim it out with like a, a certain amount of standard deviations or different distributions for each player. So like uh, Tyreek Hill is going to look a lot different than some like tight end. That's probably only going to get, you know, three catches for 15 yards or something like that, where Tyreek Hill can go off. So the players all have different standard standard distri distributions. And then you simulate it a couple thousand times. It depends on how much time you have. And then you look at the outcomes, um, compared to you know various factors so it depends so like for this one i did the spy and then like a 1500 uh, 1500 man cash game where like half gets paid off and do the are, is this sim is it only factoring in that distribution of projected points or is the sim factoring in ownership in any level and what the opponents are doing so you could do it a whole bunch of different ways so mine factors in what i think is everything so correlations ownership um, you know, points, projections, different distributions, et cetera. Okay. And so let's, uh, should I pull up your Excel sheet here? Yeah, sure. If you want. So let people know what we're, what we're looking at here. Okay. So the first page is the results from the spy. So this was, uh, admittedly, like I said, I didn't have a ton of time. So, so this is from yesterday's projections before the Thursday game. I didn't update them this morning. So I don't even know if there's been any injury news, and of course, by Sunday, we're going to have different injury news, right? Yeah. Um, so this isn't gospel, but this is what I had projected for yesterday. Um, and then I took the top 10 lineups uh, that showed uh, in this. In, and then you can see here, this is the spy. The top 10 lineups ranked by ROI from uh, a 1,500-man spy. And then the second one, I did a 1,500-man uh, cash game a double up essentially, and then rank the top 10 lineups based on ROI there. And so when I, I see these lineups, I'm, I'm seeing, you know, some correlation here with stacking and stuff. So this SIM is putting a premium 
uh, does it have built-in stack rules or is it just giving a premium if there's correlation to those plays? Well, the correlation's built into the sim. So okay. like when Patrick Mahomes completes it to Travis Kelsey, it knows that. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and so you can see like the top lineup here for, you know, the, our, our theoretical spy here has a, a, what, a double stack of Kelsey and Hill. Yep. And I don't know who the Chiefs are playing. Do you know off the top of your head? It's the Jets. They're 19 and a half point favorites. Okay, so Perrine, right? Perrine and Mims. You got a double bring back in that. Oh, okay. Um, no, Mims, uh, I thought Perrine. Mims and oh, P. Okay. Ryan are, are both right. Jets. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, well, that, that's uh, I don't know the 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 roster that well on the <laughs> Jets team at this point. Yeah, so yeah, okay, double bring back. There you go. Yeah, and that's um and that's interesting here too. That I I like the idea because that's the thing I've been wrestling with too, and I think is this idea of you know when we are correlating, like all of those plays get a boost. Like people stare at the projected points. You're trying to get in the most projected points into your lineup as possible. But the second you started adding in that correlation, like the way I think of it is that projection is now getting boosted. The original median projection is no longer relevant in the context of this lineup that has Patrick Mahomes. <clears throat> yeah, we've talked about this a little bit before. And that, and so that to answer your question from earlier, too, that's exactly how I would do it if like everything went out, like you said, in that analogy, is I would compare my uh, optimal to my correlated lineup. And I would just look at the, the points. The points projection like it's simple yeah. as that so like let's say my okay let's say the cash game here is the car lineup i'm just making up numbers here let's say it was 130 points projected yeah and then i make my correl correlated lineup and then it is um the pat mahomes lineup here so like if the pat mahomes lineup is at like let's say 110 points projected compared to the Derek Carr is at 135 i'd be like that's too many you know i'm just i'm kind of making up numbers here but you yeah yeah I would just go back and forth between the lineups I like and uh, the, the, you know, the more correlated, et cetera, and like compare how many points am I losing here? And if you're not losing anything, you know, enter that lineup because it's the, got the same EV plus all the correlations. Yeah. Uh, Ace Boogie is tilting. I'm probably donating to this guy every week and he doesn't even know who the Chiefs play. <laughs> Laugh out loud. <laughs> that, that's, that's, the, that's the Brick 75 experience. He right doesn't there. watch our show, obviously. You should have seen it. Brian and I did. Uh, and again, I mentioned this, but just so it's clear. So every Wednesday night at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, Brian and I do a show on his channel. I have the link in the YouTube description below on my channel. Uh, very fun show. But we did one uh, a few months ago before the season started where we did a best ball draft. And uh, I was having to coach Brian along on, on all the players there uh, a good bit. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, and so, okay. So now like another thing I've been thinking is now I sometimes worry, do I, did I swing too far in the overstacking? So like as an example, I had a lineup last week um, where I went very heavy on that Green Bay-Houston game. And basically what happened was I did a Houston double stack and I knew I wanted to play Jamal Williams and Devontae Adams. It made sense, two of the best points per dollar plays. And then I'm sitting there looking at how much salary I have left over at tight end and it fits with Robert Tanyan. And I'm like, do I just toss him in or is this now too much? Having six guys from the same game, at what point is the stacking and the correlation boost too much to where you're actually every drive Tanya and Jamal Williams and Devonte Adams can't score. And they're going to have some negative correlation there in between each other. Yeah, no, I, that's something to think about. I probably, 
wouldn't go more than two players from the same team. Okay. Uh, so that would be four from the same game. I think you could push it to five. Um, in this sim, I I did what I do, so two max. So there's no lineups in here that would have uh, so whatever. you set Four a guys from the same team. Okay, so like e, there maybe are if you didn't have that setting, maybe you get a Herndon punt tight end squeaking into that lineup too. And you're saying no, I want to axe that uh, just because I don't think in the long run that's going to be profitable. Yeah, you know if I if I would have thought of the, uh, ahead of time, I probably would have let those constraints happen and then and and then run the sim just so I could answer that question for you. Yeah. But yeah, I don't even really consider it. And you know, you're not going to be facing a ton of those really, Peter, right? In a spy of 2000 lineups. Uh, you know, how many of those are even going to be in there where there's four guys from the same team, two from the you know, the cunt run back. It, there's not a lot. I haven't seen a ton of those and I do think yeah, like anecdotally like over the years we'll have like one or two of those nuclear games where you will have six guys but I do agree that's rare but then on the other hand we have seen now a couple of these lineups you know CSU took down the luxury box a few weeks ago with a triple stack in a single bring back Leone did it the week before I believe in the luxury box with a triple stack single bring back the one kind of unifying theme with those is that within the triple stack there was a really cheap punt play I believe at tight end both of those games it was a Darren Fells week and an Irv Smith do you is that a criteria for a triple stack of like it's hard to triple stack Mahomes Kelsey Hardman and Hill but if there's a cheap option does that make it more viable no that's just a function of optimizers okay so like the same thing happens in baseball and other huge stacking sports where it will just if you say I want four guys it'll just it'll just force it in so yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the right, the right play. So here's what I'm thinking. Uh, another way to, to to describe this is like there's two different ways you can look at a correlation on a team, and it's kind of like um, I don't know, like Drew Brees versus um, uh, let's say Bridgewater, since we were talking about him on on, on our show. So like Drew Brees is going to spread it around, right? So that correlation is more distributed amongst the players. So you might it might be more viable to have three or four players in that type of situation than when it's consolidated, right? I like the consolidated ones. So like, I want to know. Uh, so before Antonio Brown got signed, like the bucks where it's, it's Godwin and um, Evans. And that's basically it. So like last year with Winston, for example, is better than this year. But so when they go off, those guys are gonna, really likely to go off. Whereas opposed to like, you know, a breeze type of guy, when he goes off, let's say he throws five and you want to gather all those five, they might be distributed amongst multiple uh, receivers. Right. Right. So like, that's definitely a way to, to think about it because if you just do a three man with two bring backs, like if it's the, if it's the bucks from last year, you're you might be throwing away a guy there. Right. Right. And that's the thing that I think I've been wrestling with of this idea of we do often have players like on the same team that are intuitively to me negative correlated. Every time Julio Jones is getting a catch or scoring, Calvin Ridley isn't. And yet if the game environment is good enough or we see a top 10% outcome of that game, then that correlation or negative correlation gets overruled by the overall game environment. Yeah, that's true though. Most people don't talk about that. Uh, where if one is same thing happens in basketball, right? If someone gets the bucket or the touchdown, your other guy didn't. So like it does, it does matter. And like weeks like last week 
where you just have, you know, three or four individual monster games, um, that's going to hurt this type of strategy. Um, but like, I mean, I, I, all I could say is if like, if you, if you sim it out, if you do the math, like that will tell you, and it's going to be slate dependent too, but that will tell you specifically what to look at. But like this comparison here that I, that I just did, like you could see with the cash game lineups. Oh, did we lose your Excel? Um, did that bring it up? Yeah. Oh, now we're good. So, uh, okay. I'm going to embarrass myself again here. Okay. We got a Waller. We got Waller for sure. Who's the, who's the Raiders playing this week? They are playing the, uh, the Browns. So you got the Kareem Hunt in there. I got Hunt too. Okay. So it's, it's not, it's not too bad. And actually I like this, um, this correlation in cash games more, the opponent running back QB, yeah. because then the, the Browns can get up and then Carr can just chuck it at the end, but you can see it's, it's a lot more concentrated with value players and a lot less stacky. Right. Right. So if you're, if you're playing 1500 or more players, I mean, look at this. So like you could see here, this is not as concentrated. You got, you know, a plethora of QBs, almost a different one each time, except Mahomes is in there a decent amount. Yeah. Um, and you could see like the distribution of players is kind of much more, spread out um you had a question in your discord about you know what would you do with the top three yeah uh, let I'm me sorry. let me read that one um how do um how do strategies change when entering single entry and three entry max tournaments are the build rules the same with a tight core of players or do you want three unique lineups in three entry contests yeah so quick plug i do i have a video on my my YouTube about this. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but I don't have, I only have like 10 strategy videos. It's one of them. Um, I think it's called like correlations or something like that. But the long uh, to, to sum that up is if your EV is the same, it doesn't really matter. So, but what I would do is if the EV is the same, so let's just consider points be equals EV in, in, in our world. Projected points. Projected points for, for the team. I would just, as long as they're close, I would make the teams as different as I could, could and just have three straight shots at it, right? As long as they're within a couple points here. So, like, if we're using this sim here, obviously I take the number one. I might fade this one, although it's pretty different, right? Um, and then, so, like, let's say I don't want to do Mahomes then, so then I'd probably do the Tannehill stack and then the Burrow stack. Yeah. And I, they're all about the same EV, and they're completely different. I got three shots. And let's just also call a spade a spade. It's way more fun to have three different games that you can root for, you know, yeah. that be it all in. And obviously if you hit on your one game, that's going right. to be nice for you. But like you said, if you're not sacrificing projected points in EV, like might as well let it rip in a few different spots. That just seems more fun to me. That's how I end up doing it. I've kind of had my core and then I'm cycling through the stacks around it. Yeah, it's fun until uh, uh, Devontae Adams goes off for 47 and you purposely took him out of the other two. And then you're like, God, I'd be looking so good right now. Yeah, that is that is rough looking at uh, some very nice lineups when you pull out the nuts like that. Here's a good question from Drew, and let's leave this up here. Um, he says, question for Brick, why do you think your sim likes double tight in so much? And I already know what Brick's response is. His, his sims don't care about trends about double tight ends it is just the math putting in the best plays relative to the correlation but how do you think about that as far as like 
for hand builders, that's a no-no. You know, we we look at the top 10% of Millie Maker lineups. I know Britt Devine over there at RG was looking at those trends and you're not seeing the double tight end lineups in there. So how do you think about that as far as, you know, macro trends versus individual sims like this? Well, also this is for a 1,500-man spy. So it might be something completely different for a $300,000 Millie Maker. But this isn't really that, you know, in my opinion, this isn't really that double tight end stackish. Kelsey's like a wide out, basically. True. Like the numbers he puts up. So if you take Kelsey out, it's not that crazy. I mean, I guess you got Diller. I mean, you got some Kamara in there. You got one Adams. Um, you know, and I and this is just the top 10. I don't have it saved anymore, but whatever the top 20 or 30 might look a little different. Um, you know, and it's going to vary week, week by week, event by event. Um, it's not, yeah, it's not just like some harder, fast rule where I'm like tight ends are bad. Like, I mean, how is, you know, Kelsey's just a wide receiver. Basically he doesn't have ex exactly the upside of some of these other wide receivers, but you know, some wide receivers don't have huge upsides too. Like you could say Jarvis Landry, maybe is just like a, you know, slot receiver. He might not go off, although he could, he clearly could, but, um, it yeah. And that is the thing when you look at it, like you don't have a Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry, or a Hunter Henry, Darren Waller. It, all of the double tight ends feature Travis Kelsey. And I've actually thought, you know, not to talk about season long on a DFS show, but in these tight end premium leagues, the way we think about it is you draft one of the elite tight ends early. That's your flex play. And then you still draft your cheap tight end later because you're just thinking of that as projected points. It doesn't matter the spot. And I, I do agree that Kelsey qualifies as kind of a guy that has that elite ceiling uh, that you just want to jam in. Waller's close too. Yeah. He's not, he's not having the year he had last year, but I mean, you know, sometimes last year he's basically a wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this is the funny thing too. I couldn't stomach two jets in the same lineup. I think this is the ultimate hand builders dilemma. A lot of people can't stomach two jets. A lot of people can't stomach two tight ends, but dare I say, this is where you can actually get leverage on constructions. If you have a, a plus EV lineup based on the correlation. In a big, a big part of the correlation in football is like getting destroyed in the first half and just getting garbage touchdowns at the end of the second half. So like we talked about this a little bit, Pete, uh, Deshaun Foster, um, Watson, sorry. Yo, the Pete, you're going to tilt the people so bad messing up Deshaun Watson's name. <laughs> Last week was a cash game, like uh, pivot point, and he was doing garbage like through three quarters basically and came on and barely got over the prop line of 293 or whatever it was. Yeah. And so like, but that's because they were down. So like, I mean, the Jets, it, it, the Jets is a different story. I get, I get yeah. your point here, but like if they are down by, you know, 30 going into the late third or something, they're just going to let him score a touchdown or two probably. Yeah. Uh, and I'll do, I'll do a narrative take about the jets of why I like this setting up for them better. First of all, they are using P Ryan way more in the passing game. You know, Frank Gore is just getting those low value early grinder touches. So if you're down 19 and a half, like Vegas projects that sets up for P Ryan. And then you have Denzel Mims. So Brashad Perriman hasn't been playing. They play similar on the outside. And again, I've been saying this on all these shows this week, but if you don't know who Denzel Mims is, he's a highly drafted pick. He's six, three runs a four, three, eight, six, six, three cone. Like the dude's an athletic freak stepped into a 32% target share right out of the gate. Now you don't have Perriman playing outside. And it looks like Jamison Crowder is going to be back in the slot, which I think just makes their overall offense a little more efficient. So I like how this sets up for the Jets. And I don't know. I don't, you know, we always say that like people do you not want to play T 
Terry McLaurin because Kyle Allen sucks? Well, if you're getting volume or the game script is in your favor, it doesn't matter. Yeah, for, uh, for sure. It, this, it's it's scary stacking this, you know, this heavily for sure. And do we have another one here too with Hines and, and the Colts? Yeah. And so it's, it's fully correlated lineup. Let's talk about Hines because I think that's interesting. One thing that I uh, enjoyed checking out. So Cardi over on Roto Grinders, I'll pull this up here. He has his typical standard projections, but then he just released um, these GPP uh, metrics and something he calls smash percentage, where he's looking at the range, uh, the distributions, I think similar to what you were talking about with your Sims, and then the amount of times that they beat their projection uh, and relative to their price. And so the reason it made me think of it with Heinz is he was actually popping in that when I was looking here, uh, where was he? I thought he was in here before when I was looking in my spreadsheet. Maybe he's maybe not. He updated today. Yeah, maybe he updated. He's down here. He still has a 23.4% smash percentage here if I get this sorted correctly. So yeah. that was a play that I don't think people would gravitate to normally if you're hand building. But when you look at his salary and the range where we have seen him catch a lot of balls, break off big plays, I kind of understand the the thesis of that play. I guess I'm rambling here. What do you think of this concept of uh, a smash percentage? It seems kind of similar to maybe some of the stuff going on in your Sims. I saw he released that. I didn't look into it too, too, too closely, but it probably is. Yeah. A good tool for hand builders where you can just get a quick, uh, you know, a, a quick uh, rundown of, of guys who are performing well in his, in his simulation. I don't know how he does uh, a simulation, he probably isn't doing it on the um, like tournament level. Like this yes. one's for the spy, this one's for this. Right. So that would change things because, like we said, it depends on what you're entering is how you what direction you want to go. Yeah. Um, but like, if you're hand building, I, I don't think it can hurt you, right? Yeah. Here's one for you. Do you? Fa- I mean, we got we got narratives, man. We got. We got Le'Veon Bell going against his old team. The people are saying that Andy Reid's going to give Le'Veon Bell all of the carries to really stick it to Adam Gase. Have you put this input into your model for the week? I have not. Uh, <laughs> I, I was just thinking about him, though, too, actually. Yeah, it's like, what, what's what's going to happen there? That really does screw up that whole that running back uh, committee there in, in KC, though, doesn't it? Yeah, and I actually think – you know, we had two very similar situations in the Tampa Bay backfield with Fournette, you know, now in the mix with Ronald Jones and Le'Veon Bell in the mix with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And especially with the KC situation, it was interesting last week because it was a blowout. It was Le'Veon Bell's first game. They had defense and special teams touchdowns. And I think people looking at just the data are having a hard time knowing what actually this backfield split is going to be. Like in your granular projections like how do you handle fragile situations like that is there just guesswork with how much kind of volume you're projecting yeah it's it is guesswork and i could probably dial it in more than i have so like for me that would look like two different distributions so like you would have a normal distribution that would like it could look like a bell curve right where he's a the, the player is going to perform on this side a certain amount of time this side a certain amount of time but generally get around what we expect them to you could have like a, a real crazy distribution where it's like a double hump 
where like this is an option where he barely plays. Hey, and hey, this then- is um this is a family friendly show. Please don't say double hump on the show anymore. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. It where where there there's there's these two distinct distributions for this player. Yeah. And then run it and then see what what happens and how it, how how it looks. If I was hand building, I'd probably just stay away. Unless I was like you and just just uh, you know knee deep in this and and I have a real strong gut feeling on what's going to happen. Here, I want how to t- tell um tell hand builders because I think a lot of times what happens if you're hand building say you only are playing a couple of lineups it feels incredibly nerve wracking to play a guy who you said maybe on those humps, you know, the, the distributions there are pretty wide. And let's even say like our Marquise Browns, our Henry Ruggs, the guys who could get you zero points or 30 points. Mm-hmm. What do you say to people about the reason why you can still and should be taking risks on those guys at low ownership, even if you feel uncomfortable, like this is my one lineup and it could be completely ruined by a zero here. What's the psychological aspect here for from an opto bro to a hand builder? I think it's more of a gambler to a non-gambler. Like <laughs> if you gamble long enough, like stuff like that doesn't bother you as as much as it did when you first start. So so you know, like I say in pretty much everything, gamble gamble more. It's good. It's good for you. It Just is. It experience. is. It is true. Just getting a bunch of those slates under your belt, like, you you know, whether you're jamming all the showdowns, you know, uh, Brian and I were playing League of Legends, MMA, PGA, DF, like once you get those reps under, it's easier. And I, I think I mentioned this with Bales, like you think of it like a poker tournament, you buy your chips or your entry and you get those chips. Those chips don't have an individual dollar value. Those are literally ammo to play a game. And now you need to use that ammo best possible. So you give DraftKings, your $200 for the double spy. They give you these nine slots in a salary. That's your that's your ammo. Those are your tools to work with. You can't think of like, well, this play is worth this fight. It's like, no, you just got to jam in the best possible lineup to help you win a tournament. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would I I wouldn't go insane in like, you know, we've we've talked about this a bunch of times too before. It's like don't just jam a bunch, jam a bunch of one percenters in there and think you're, you know, doing something smart. And, and, you know, be mindful how many entries are in, 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 in the tournament you're entering. So the less the entry, the less crazy you got to get. Yeah. And that's, but that's also been tricky too, because, you know, let's, let's talk about the Thunderdome. It's, it's, you know, we have the Osimo uh, challenge going on here with, uh, with EM dupe and the, the interesting thing about it is you see, you know, Osimo took a line where he played. Um, a game stack versus a lot of these optimal lineups. So do you, is there a counterpoint to that of, you know, being more contrarian and smaller field stuff might actually make sense. You know, if I had more time, I could have, I could have thrown that in there. That would have been a nice mix with a 20 man Thunderdome and see what, see what it looks like with the same lineups in there. Well, maybe, maybe we follow up with this next week on Lulz. You guys can tune in for that. Maybe we'll do some Thunderdome Sims and see what looks optimal from a construction standpoint, because I would love to see how the contest size affects those. My guess would be it's somewhere in between. And so, but what we can do for, since if we'll do it next week is we can do it with the actual, actual uh, lineups entered. So we'll put in EM dupes lineup. Uh, uh, Alex's lineup, everyone's lineup in there, and uh, we'll see what it looks like. Okay, yeah, and I, I do think uh, we just got to make sure that they drive to the state line uh, and make sure that they get those lineups in there. 
you can't you can't do a show with me and Brian and not have a little DFS drama spillover, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, sorry, Matthias had asked this question and I missed it earlier. Where do you run your Sims? Is this secret sauce you're willing to give away? In my house? I don't, <laughs> I don't understand the question. I think I run- maybe, maybe where do you host your Sims? I don't host them anywhere. I do it on my computer. Okay. I, uh-huh. I'll put um I'll put them on my my uh my 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 website sometimes like whatever um I put some stuff up on there. Yeah. Um yeah, by the way, so Brian has a a new site up brick75.com. Give him uh your email address, you get access to to free um how would you describe it? You have your prop bets up there where you're comparing your projections to various sports book lines. Yeah, it's just like whatever I have time to throw up on there. I'll put yeah. like PJ ownership sometimes uh prop bets quite a bit because I, I, I keep betting them and I'm not banned. So uh, I'm going to keep throwing them up there and it doesn't hurt me any. I just bet them and then I pop them up on my website. And I also have like, um, you know, and my projections are on there too. So you can copy and paste for, for those props if you want them. And um, I also do have uh, the actual odds from the sports books in Illinois anyways, downloaded on there. And so like, if you want to make your own, price your own or steal use the prop data for your own projections in dfs it's all free i know when we were doing um we we're talking pga more together this offseason on lulls and you would look at the head-to-head lines of golfers and use some of the line movement and where the money was coming on to kind of uh, I, I don't know what the word is maybe like uh change their projection for you too from like a dfs standpoint Mm-hmm. Does have you been taking in the factor of movement on NFL prop lines with your projections and sims at all? N- no, um, not the same way with PGA. So, like the the books all copy other books, right? Uh, so there's there's like a market leader in sports betting. So that's like defined as uh, the the book that takes sharp action, doesn't limit anybody, and all the other books copy their 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 lines. Right. And so when they move, the whole market moves. And so those ones are pretty sharp. And especially size and totals in the NFL, NBA, and a lot of the major sports, you're not going to beat them. They're dead on accurate. Use them if you can. But the props is a little different. Like the props, like there's like a company called Camby that does DraftKings props and Bet Rivers props. Vandal has their own. And so you can find differences in the lines if you bet them early enough um and some are sharper than others so you you might want to use those you know in dfs they're they're better than they're they're better than just you know whatever yahoo's projections right they're they're people talk about how easy they are to beat it's like okay let's see you beat them i want to see all these people who think that they're so easy to beat they're not that easy to beat you got to put in a lot of work. So like if you just, if you don't know how to make projections and you just use the sports book ones, you're not going to, and you maybe average the books together or something like that. Dare I say aggregate them? <laughs> you're going to be doing better than what? 90, 95, 99% of guys out there who yeah. are just going with the gut. Well, I feel like the narrative generally around props has been like the the volume isn't big enough to hammer them into an efficient line because the books don't pay as much attention to them. Therefore, maybe they wouldn't be as useful uh, as a projection starting point. They're pretty good. They're pretty sharp. They're okay. pretty sharp. Yeah, they'll they'll be off. Like if you look at my props from yesterday, uh, I did them late. Like I like 
I want to do them earlier, but it depends on how much time I have. Um, so they do move them. Like, you know, you're, you're betting like two yards differences with, you know, the lines maybe a little off. So like it's two yards and the other way is minus 125 or something like that. So like you're getting like 5%, 9% edges. Um, I don't I, – I, I think the, the chatter of the props are really, really bad is overrated. They're pretty good. Gotcha. They're better than what most of these DFS entry guys can do. Yeah. In, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, all right. Eric is trying to pin you down on this. You wrote your own app to run Sims. If you just want to plead the fifth, I'll allow it. Or I, I just can't tell if you're being purposefully coy or if uh, you don't understand the questions. No, I, 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 yeah, I didn't really fully understand them. I, so I code out my own Sims and I use a, uh, like a Monte Carlo app to run the actual Sims over and over again, as opposed to just making 10,000 which is what I did before, like 10,000 rows in Excel and then, and then run the sim that way. Cause it just goes so slow. And if I get bogged down on, on something I'm building, I'll, I'll go pay somebody to, to write a macro for me because it'll take them 15 minutes and it would take me two days. Do you normally, do you post that on like a Craigslist listing looking yeah. for someone to, to run a macro for me? I use Upwork. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there you go. Um, Division of labor, my friend. Division of labor is a is is a powerful tool. I was trying to make some kind of like misconnection Craigslist joke, but you're like, no, I actually do just crowdsource it on a on a thing like that. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I put out a hey, thirty bucks for this. Yeah, you get hundred people applying. There you go. Um, here's a question from Jason over here. I'm going to try to understand this. Do we put too much weight on the acronym RB wide receiver, et cetera? Players, for example, like 2019 Christian McCaffrey at 10K, you're getting points as a receiver and a running back. Last year's Lamar, 8,900, you're getting rushing and quarterback play. Is this thinking wrong? My guess is you're just going to say this stuff is baked into good projections. It's kind of like the Kelsey thing we were talking about before. It's like, yeah. Who cares if he's a, described as a tight end and he can still get you 30 points at flex. Um, but, but it does matter though. Positions do matter. Like let's, let's because if there was no flex, for example, like then your running backs are only in competition with the other available running backs. Right. And, and same thing with QB and wide receiver. And so it does matter that McCaffrey is a stud in comparison to all these other running backs, it might matter even more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that actually brings up another, like a, a, a common talking point you'll hear is, okay, there's a lot of opportunity cost at running back this week. That if you're going off the board with some guy who maybe has a lower floor when there's four smash chalk plays, there's opportunity cost. How do you, how do you think about that concept as far as like you're still trying to get contrarian, but – there's such good projected plays at the position. Yeah. Th so that is another way where actually the Cardi smash factor would probably be a really good solution to that one. So um, usually the easiest way to sim out isn't the way I'm doing it, right? It's just like you do all the running backs and it's like, oh, okay, this is the best running back in 10,000 sims. This is the second best running back. And, and then there's a percentage associated with that, which is I, I, I'm assuming what Cardi's doing. And I don't want to talk out of school because I, I didn't look into it that closely, but that would tell you quite a bit. So like, let's say McCaffrey 
is like a 50% chance to be the best running back. And the next best guy is, let's say, 10%, something low. That's a huge difference compared to, let's say, McCaffrey's 40% and then Le'Veon Bell this week's 35 Well, now we got a, a much bigger – okay, yeah, so that, that that's pretty close. But you might get you might find weeks where it's not. We don't have a McCaffrey this this year, right? So, right. so it's not it's not going to look like like we want. Like maybe Josh Jacobs at the end of last year was kind of going off too. Uh, Kamara, you know, at times could be like that guy where there's just such a difference that you just you you have to play him, even in uh, you know a, a two thousand man spy event, right? You know, where you look at the fantasy points per dollar, even at a median projection, and it's just like the salary can't be high enough for him not to be a good play because his role has basically broken the salary constraints on DraftKings. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's an interesting question. You know, those are, you know, mentioning... Go to tight, CM- go to tight end really quick, Pete. Yeah. Let's see what he's got for... I'll sort okay. here so again by smash. A little bit bigger of gap there. Yeah. And it's interesting here. So like, you know, looking at Kittle and Kelsey who are similar salary, um, but he just has George Kittle more likely to hit this really top range of outcomes. So he's smashing almost 10 percentage points more frequently than Travis Kelsey. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, more like seven, but. Oh, you're right. Sorry. I was looking at the wrong number. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and pretty high over the next guy. Yeah. Let me read it. Cause someone in the chat is asking what smash, uh, reads. So I'll just read the definition here from the legend, the percentage chance, the player smashes for his price tag smash is defined as three X salary value plus seven points for DraftKings or three X salary value plus two points for FanDuel. The raw point addition is to account for the fact that three X value for a very cheap player may not truly be enough to win a GPP raw points matter too. Yeah. It's a ceiling. It's a ceiling. Yep. Um, but it's an interesting, uh, way to look at this stuff too. And, and know, you know, sometimes I think with those medium projections and, and we ask ourselves, does this guy have a ceiling to win me a GPP? Some of this stuff I think can, can help point you in the right direction with that. that yeah. That's, that's definitely a good place to look right there. Um, all right, let's, uh, I say we build a lineup, you know, we've got done a lot of good evergreen stuff. And like I say, I'll keep mentioning these again. So right now, Brian's, uh, YouTube is primarily our, our Wednesday lull show. But if you go back in the archives, Brian has, I don't know, 20 to 30 evergreen pieces of DFS strategy that I highly recommend that he mentioned the stuff hitting on correlation. I know he talks about contest selection, even some bankroll management stuff. So lots of good stuff there. You guys can get lost in those videos, check out his YouTube. The link is in the show notes on my channel. Brian, are you ready to hand build a lineup for the first time since the Reagan administration? Let's do it. Um, okay. I, I think we, I think after we talked about it and we were looking at the Sims, uh, I make sure yeah, I got the ownership up here as well with the Roto grinders, Chrome extension. I'm, I'm thinking we build a chief stack. I, I was just going to say now with the Sims uh, influencing us, it's, is this still, a hand building exercise. This is um maybe we're like the are we like the Terminator? Are we going to become like part you know man part part machine? Uh, let's do it. Let's 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 take my homes then. And in those Sims, were we getting uh Kelsey Hill primarily as that uh double stack, or were any other Chiefs guys making it in there? 
Kelsey Hill, Kelsey Hill. Kelsey Hill, that looks like that's it unless I'm Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh should we should we trust the Sims? We will marry our uh and it's actually funny, you know, we're joking about this, but you know, Bales has been writing about this in his newsletter, how uh he one of his most recent things was about how the best stuff you start with the data. And then you use that data over time and getting familiar with it to develop an intuition that you can then use where it's almost like a subconscious intuition where you have the framework backed by the data, but then you allow yourself to be flexible because you have so much experience viewing different situations. Yeah. That's how I played poker back in the day. Try yeah. to like, get like little heuristics from the game theory and just apply them live while I'm playing. Yeah, because expect like poker is a very good example. Like DFS, we have all week to think about it. You can rerun your sims, all of this stuff. In poker, you you might have 60 seconds until someone calls the clock on you. You got to make your decision. And in one phrase that you've said to me um before as we've talked of this idea of like it's hard to keep all the variables in your head. Yeah, for sure. I've talked with like my buddies about this too, um uh, IRL and um and I'm like, I, I mean, how? There's no way you could keep all the correlation data, the in, you know, the injury data, the the, the industry consensus, Vegas, the Vegas movements, you know, go down the list for, a, you know, let's say 900 players on any given Sunday. Granted, probably three or four hundred of those guys aren't, aren't aren't eligible really for DFS, but there's just no way you could you could keep all that in your head. Yeah, it would be it would be very hard to do, I think. Well, there's um, one man who can do it. Who is that? And we all know who he is. RBX88? RBX88. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say EM2. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, the, the, here's a – we kind of hit on this before. I, I disagree with this as a blanket statement, but I'll let you respond to Brad saying, Kelsey and Hill are too expensive for both to pay off IMO. I think you play Hill – or Kelsey, what would you say to that? Um, I think there was a lineup uh, in those top ten Sims that's similar, so you could go either way. Yeah, it's 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 like a lot of times, although they look completely different, they're very close in EV. Like even like down to your hundredth lineup, maybe in two hundredth lineup, they're very close, even though they'll look very different. And like we like to. <laughs> We like to think that we know so much about this and what's going to happen. We love football. We know everything about it. When in reality, it's if you if you run the like simulations or just look at the history of DFS, you don't and you can't control it. And they're a lot closer than you think. Yeah, and like you know, let's use as an example. So I think people are a little scarred in their head from the Jets game versus the Bills last week. I was someone who was rolling out the Josh Allen double stack with Diggs and Gabriel Davis, and it, Tyler Bass kicked seven field goals in your distribution simulation curve. That happened in one of those simulations. Right. Tyler Bass kicked six. Was it on the one percentile extreme? Yes, but that's what we're talking about here. So in this lineup. If we end up going with two Jets bringbacks because both the math and the correlations are pointing us in that direction, to win a tournament, we need the Jets to be far more in the game than the 19 and a half spread would indicate, which is also in that range of outcomes. So the way to think about it is sure, if the if the Chiefs blow them out, then yeah, maybe they won't need Tyreek and Kelsey to ball out all game. But what about in those simulations 
where the Jets keep pace. You're telling me Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey can't account for 75% of the Chiefs' production? I, I think they can. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they won one last year. Here's another way to think about the, this as well. Is Okay, let's say our Tyler Bass lineup won in one of the Sims. It took first. So it, it, so it would assign 100K to that lineup, right? Well, over thousands of lineups, though, or I'm sorry, thousands of simulations, that might not be enough to keep it in the top 150 or top three or however you're, however many you're entering, top 20, or if it's single entry, one. So even though they'll win occasionally, that's where the sim comes in helpful, where it's like, okay, it will win occasionally when all else fails, but just not enough to make it worth your while over time. Yeah. Should we should we trigger people with a double Jets bring back and uh, stay true to the sim, at least for this core game stack? Well, this is where you, I think we need the, your expertise here. The hand builder expertise. The hand builder, yeah. To, so, to, do you want to take a look at the other? Uh, yeah, let's take a look. I, I will say, I think we put in Mims for sure. Um, and the question yeah. is going to be P Ryan, you know, at 3,200, um, his athleticism, the ownership's not going to get out of hand. Um, Paraman's probably out. So I feel very good about Mims, but yeah, let's discuss the P Ryan situation here. Yeah. So here's the four Mahomes stacks. Yeah. Uh, three of them have Kelsey and, uh, and Hill. I guess we could get rid of this one too, huh? Okay. So, okay. Oh, so look at this. Look at my guy, DeAndre Swift. People forget I did tout DeAndre Swift. <laughs> um, this is um, this is interesting here because what is how do P Ryan and Hines's price compare? So forty three hundred and Hines four, I think, and four. So this is one of those situations that I was talking about last week with Robert Tanyan, where I didn't know how to include him. Like my gut chasing correlation just says, "Hey, break the tie in favor." Of P Ryan, he's going to catch passes. I know he's not going to get game scripted out of this. I don't envision Gore getting 25 carries in this game. That said, is this the line where we make the decision on trying to access more points in that other game and trust that Mims is is racking him up for the Jets? I mean, he's in all three of them here. And, you know, this also goes to, uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name who didn't like our stack, but, uh, you're going to have to fit in some of these cheaper guys once you do go up to Mahomes, Hill, and and Kelsey. Oh, wait. Sure. Now I'm triggered. I am triggered. I didn't realize we did have a double tight end with Will Disley in here. <laughs> oh, yeah, wow. but you fit in DeAndre Swift, which changes everything. <laughs> I I think I think you got to X out the Disley lineup. I don't know if I can do that one. The hand right. builder is overruling the Will Disley double title. I was kind of liking that one, honestly. Well, <laughs> the thing that makes me scared about them, it's like Olsen still is getting the most opportunity. I do think Disley is the most talented, but then even Hollister is in the mix. So they have three tight ends. It does seem uh, a little thin for, yeah. one, for one of these. That sounds like something that Sunday morning could look a lot different as well, where if maybe somebody's not going to be playing or not playing as much, yeah, that would change. that would change the whole thing. Okay, so now we are kind of narrowing down our things. Uh, it looks like we kind of have a choice. Um, uh, let's let's come back to the running back decision. It looks like we have a choice between a high-priced luxury guy in Devontae Adams or Alvin Kamara. Do you have mm -hmm. a lean um, in which kind of direction you'd like there? Yeah, and then Corey Davis-Boyd. Um, so, Kamara, so Kamara has been like his floor – seems to be like 20 some points. I don't know if you've watched any of the, the saints games. Yeah. I'm a big film guy. I don't know if you knew that. No. Uh, when I'm watching red zone, 
they the Saints pop up a lot, and they just like are not giving him the goal line carries, the goal line, you know, touches. And but if they did, he would get like 30, 40 points these last few weeks. Like every it feels like his floor is 20. It does. And yeah, we were actually talking about this on the Swolecast. Like, which one would you rather have just in a vacuum, Adams or Kamara? And it does seem like Adams has a little more TD equity right now just because he doesn't have a Latavius Murray in his life. But like when we look here at just the, you know, raw projected points, very similar, you know, and then the ownership, it does look like Kamara is going to catch a little bit more. So how would you break the tie with all things being pretty equal? Well, I would just use my number one send the lineup or I would go to random.org and randomly pick. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's not a huge difference. So the actual ROI between these lineups, the number one lineup was slightly higher than the rest of them. Like, you know, maybe like a couple percentage points better where the, the rest were pretty, you know, uh, pretty close together in the top 10. Yeah. So they don't really matter. So this specific run though, it does look like that first lamp is significantly better. In terms of ROI, but yeah, I, I swear to God, I'm not even kidding. I would just either enter the first one, or if I was kind of playing it, I would randomly pick between the two with a coin flip. Let's trust the sim. Let's play uh, Devonte Adams here. Now, one thing I want to ask you about, and again, we're we're using the sim as our framework. We're living within those rails, but we can we can get off the off of it here, but we're just trying to build smartly, and this is giving us um, the bumpers playing bumper bowling to do so. Now, one correlation I want to ask you about here is, so Naheem Hines and the Colts, obviously people know about some RB DST correlation, but I think Jonathan Taylor intuitively would be the guy that would have that correlation as more the guy that's going to salt the clock when they're up. Do you think the sim is boosting Hines because of the Colts or vice versa? That's possible. Um, That's definitely possible. I do need to probably look into that. So yeah, you you can consider that. Okay. Yeah. So that's maybe a thing where we don't necessarily have to have the Colts D there. Now, Corey Davis here, that's, um, that's a little bit of a tough pill for me to swallow. I know he came back and had a decent amount of targets, but he just, um, he hasn't been super efficient. And, uh, I do worry about that play, but it's also the kind of play that the more I think about is maybe a play I should be willing to make. That's it sums it up for me exactly. I, I didn't want to cut you off before, but I was like, God, I don't like Corey Davis. Uh, but it is, it's much better to think of these guys as numbers and not human beings. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just get rid of all this stuff because, you know, if Corey Davis has burned you too many times, like it let, doesn't matter. Let me put a caveat to that. Yeah. Unless you are thinking about writing them on Twitter, in which case they are very much human beings. But if yeah. you can keep this to yourself and just, you know, play the game on DraftKings and in your spreadsheets, then yes, you should be thinking of these guys it's like purely DFS related of making lineups. That's all I'm talking about. Yeah, please don't tell uh, call Michael Thomas slant boy on Twitter. Uh, no, just uh, never. stay out of his mentions here. So I did want. Let me just pull up. I wanted to see what I had on on Corey Davis here from, you know, 5,100. Um, looks like he is projecting for 10.57 points. Um, you know, they are playing uh, Cincinnati here. Would, um, I wonder if we could do, it doesn't seem like Hunt, or uh, sorry, uh, Mixon is going to play. I wonder if we would have enough salary to do like a Corey Davis with Gio Bernard kind of uh, mini correlation. 
You want to bring down my uh, spreadsheet so I can look oh, at the. Yeah, my bad. Um, like I'm just seeing how much salary this yeah, would lead us right, with. Right, I think right, yeah. we can need a little geo. So that would leave us 2850 if we punt D. Yeah. So Miami. Miami was the punt D in the second sim lineup. They're down there. We can't. I don't think we're going to be able to fit that. No, that's yep. Yeah, that's why the forty-four, the four four thousand guys were getting shoved in there. Yeah. Um. You know what we'd ha- I think we'd have to do is is downgrade from Adams. It's uh to make that work. So let's let's see what that looks like. And these are these these are the actual decisions that happen when you're hand building these lineups of like you know, coming off of that week, it's like, yeah, it feels good to have Adams in there, but then you're going to sacrifice um, some of these other plays. Although it feels weird to pull out Adams so you can fit Corey Davis. <laughs> Even Gio Bernard. Is he is he uh, locked in, Bernard, again this week? for yeah. the, the chat just said Mixon did officially get ruled out. So he's okay. going to be their, their lead back. And I mean, he, he didn't do a ton rushing, but has a really nice, you know, five targets for 59 yards and that TD through the air and 13 carries, kind of like a Kamara light workload. Okay. Um, right. Sweet stash. So we have six... We have 6K now if we do for Sid Corey Davis uh, we, with a running back flex that we can we can play around with. So this is, a, this is a good question now. Like, do we go back to the Sims and look at other pairings that have like 12,100 in combined salary? Um, yeah, I don't have the like salary up there, but we could take a look and maybe be. So this is actually interesting. I am seeing AJ Brown in a bunch of these. I would love to actually try to get Corey Davis to AJ Brown and see if we could build from there. Okay. He is not in any of the Mahomes stacks, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean it has to stop us. Yeah. I, I like, you know, I obviously prefer him. Um, that How would leave more is he? he He's significantly more. He's 6,900. Very nice or not that nice. Uh, if you're running, running up against constraints, but just the fact that we're seeing him in there. And if we're going to correlate him with a little bit of geo chalk, which it looks like these ownership percentages haven't been updated. He'll be more than 6.4%. I imagine. another massive stack. Yeah. That's so that's the Joe Burrow double to green and Higgins with the double bring back of AJ Brown and Janu. I do like that lineup. Uh, I do too. Are, these guys are questionable, right? I don't. So no, Melvin Gordon's good. It's Philip Lindsay. Who's in the concussion protocol and hasn't been practicing cook is questionable. He didn't practice yesterday. They say Zimmer says he thinks he's going to play. I'm leaning that cook goes. So that lineup, I don't think there's any too big of injury concerns there. This lineup would definitely make something for me though. I like, yeah, it. here we go. Yeah. I built that exact borough line last night with a different defense hand builders. Unite. <laughs> I, did, I didn't do it with a hand builder. You're yeah. better than me, buddy. Yeah. You're Andrew. I think you're part, part machine, dude. If you're, you're landing on these, uh, these, so, Let's just for for fun. Let's let's finish this out. You guys can see the type of lineups, but I do think in general this is a good way to think about it. Where you know maybe you don't have access to the Sims like Brian, but you can look at optimal lineups and you can get ideas for the kind of plays that are really good plays that you might want to fit in. And they're not necessarily always going to be in the top five lineups, but just scrolling through, you can get ideas like this. I see you have Gaskins up. I like that idea. Yes, these are the cash ones. I just maybe we could get some value guys in there instead. And I noticed I saw I was watching one of your shows, uh, and you you were you were 
touting up Gaskin a bit. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked on Gaskin. I mean, his role has been that of, you know, a bell cow running back, and he's priced at 5,200, and he's not going to be mega chalk. So okay. um, let me get this back up here. So if we put him in, that leaves us 5,100 with the flex. We're also correlating. Um, now we have the, the mini correlation, Bernard and A.J. Brown. We have the Chiefs double stack with the bring back with Mims. We have Gaskin correlated with the Dolphins defense, which we've said is is maybe a looser correlation, but both are so affordable that mm-hmm. it doesn't even feel like we're forcing anything. No, there. yeah, I, I like it. And so 5,100. 50, <laughs> no, we're not. We can't. We can't. Here's one for you, man. There's actually a couple plays I like in this range as one-offs. I mean, I can make cases for guess. T.Y. Hilton, Joshua Kelly, and Henry Ruggs. I, I can was going to say Ruggs, yeah. Rugs is like, I actually love Rugs as a one-off here because let me tell you, yeah. Darren Waller is going to be chalky. Josh Jacobs is going to be chalky. I mean, that is the per- isn't that the perfect one-off leverage on a chalky game? That's probably in this group. That's probably who I would I would throw in there. I like this lineup, Brian. <laughs> Guaranteed winner, free money right here. Guaranteed winner, guaranteed. Um, and say, you know, again, one final little dumb thing. You know, you hand build this lineup. You feel good about it. You see, you have two hundred dollars remaining. Are you just like, I'm good? Like all the logic yeah. and correlations check out, or am I like, oh, let me see if I can upgrade Dolphins D? No, two thousand man GPP. I don't. Two hundred doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. Um, dude, this was fun. We we went over, but uh, I. I think this was like a really good um, kind of walkthrough of how we can marry the idea of, you know, Brian's on far on that spectrum of using the Sims and the projections and trusting the math, but then also showing how you can finesse it a little bit. Say, you know, you're only playing one lineup and you don't want to play Corey Davis. It's fine. It's fine. There's ways that you can still work around that. No. Yeah, I agree. This is exactly, exactly the way I would, I would do it. If, if I had the time, like to put it all, all that in and then, and then, and then the time to pay attention to all the news and uh, do 20 uh, DFS shows a week talking about this stuff. <laughs> this is probably how I do it for those one, two, three lineups that are like really important to me that I'll have in more than anything else. We taught Brian how to hand build today. He taught us how to look at his Sims and we taught him how to hand build. I actually saw Brian, someone had asked um, if there was a chance to look at the Sims, maybe not, obviously you don't have to do everything, but maybe we could post a link to the Google sheet uh, of like some of the ones um, just that we looked over today. If people want to kind of scroll through those. Um, I, should I like, I could, I could uh, cut and paste it as like a photo on yeah. Twitter or I could upload it to my site. Yeah, let's do. Uh, let, if it's easy to upload it to your site, let's drive some. Uh, let's drive some traffic to the site. If you want to check you can out, copy and paste it too. If I do it that way, I think yeah. it'll upload. We'll see. Yeah. So, so uh, I that's brick75.com. You just need to sign up with an email. Don't worry, Brian will not spam you. He doesn't strike me as a guy that's trying to harvest your email for for bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, Brian, uh, I really appreciate you coming on always, you know, uh, I, I don't say it enough. I mentioned it a lot. I owe so much of getting better at DFS to talking and learning from Brian. We started doing the show on the infamous Rudy Gobert night back in March and getting to talk with Brian on the show, off the show. I've learned so much. The, uh, the sharpest guy I know 
in DFS. So go to his YouTube channel, watch those evergreen videos. Like I said, we, uh, we're a gossip rag sometimes on, on lulls, but we, uh, we mix in some good strategy talk. I think if you guys enjoyed this show, you will enjoy that. That's every Wednesday night on Brian's YouTube channel. Thank you to Roto Grinders for hosting and sponsoring us here. If you're watching, please subscribe, hit the like button. I also have links to uh, a Discord on my YouTube channel. There's a lot of guys talking strategy. I think even some of them are going to hop on a voice call this weekend, I think is a nice thing for people who want to bounce ideas off each other. You can check that out as well. Brian, any final words? I think I did all the housekeeping. No, no, that's that. We have the the shows on pod form at iTunes. Yep. Um, or the link in my Twitter bio. Uh, if you guys want to check that out, it works just as well in audio. And thanks yep. for the uh, kind words, buddy. Yeah, and I, I I promise you, Brian is not selling your your email. Um, I'm not going to sell your email. <laughs> Yeah. And Eric Johnson says, uh, is it a free site? Yes, it's free. You just sign up with an email and then you have login. And Brian also, if you follow him on Twitter, he'll post a little screen grab of the props for the night. And then you can go in, log in, you can sort them, you know, query them how you want. Yeah, right? Yeah. I won't post all of them because like the, it would just be too big of a picture on Twitter. It would look ridiculous. So I just post a few of them on there and most of them are on the site. Yeah. It's and honestly, stuff. and, I'm, and I'm, I'm building other stuff on there too for, Mainly for sports betting. So if you're into sports betting, you want to you you want to check it out. Yep. All right, guys. Really appreciate you all hanging with us this weekend. Good luck this week. Don't forget to play Denzel Mims. We'll see you guys on Monday with the review. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.